Welcome to ASAR Training and Response. This is episode one, where Eric and Carla tell you all about themselves and what ASAR Training and Response is. Welcome, everybody, to the very first ASAR Training and Response podcast. I'm Eric Thompson, and with me on these podcasts are co-host Carla Lewis. Carla, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm really excited about this first podcast and the ability we're going to have to reach more people and talk to them about what it is we do. Yeah, we're really excited to bring this forum, this discussion forum out to our listeners. There are so many times that we go to training and we start discussions with people that we have trained with and we never get to finish them. There's so many questions. Every time we go out, we felt like the podcast forum was going to be the best way to really ingrain people and let them know what it's like to be part of an ASAR team. And during these podcasts, we're going to look at a whole host of topics uh, of discussion as we go forward uh, over the next few episodes. So I suppose we should probably let our listeners know who they're listening to and we'll do a little introduction on ourselves. Carla, why don't you kick off with a little bit of your background? Sure. So my background is in wildlife biology. So I started out uh, at K-State and after college, I started working at the Kansas City Zoo. Um, that was my dream job. I always wanted to be a zookeeper, and I absolutely loved it. And, you know, I know the zoo field can be controversy, controversial for a lot of people, but I'll tell you what, the people there really care about those animals, and they want to give them the best life that they, ha- that they have in captivity, and they want to keep their animals as safe and healthy as possible. And we'll get into more of that, but I've been really excited to see the ASAR fields branch into some of the exotic stuff, and I've been able to do that. <clears throat> After the zoo field, I actually took a few years off to be at home with my kids. I'm also a, a mom of three kids. And while I was doing that, I actually started a saltwater aquarium maintenance business. So I'm kind of one of those people who always has, always have animals in my life, and, and it's kind of my passion. In uh, 2010, I went back to work full-time, and I got a job as an animal control officer. I've been there almost nine years. It'll be nine years in a couple weeks, and I absolutely love it. I fell in love with the field and the people and just the general care that they have for animals and public safety. And Eric, you probably don't remember this, but the second day of my employment as an animal control officer, I actually was the first day I met you, and we had a large animal class that you led, and the thing I remember the most out of that, one, I had no idea how to tie any knots. I was like, what is this? And um, the other part was we were required to wear helmets for some of the class and me and my coworker did not have the proper safety helmets. And Eric's like, I have some helmets, but they were cowboy hard hats. Yeah. <laughs> so somewhere around there, there is a, some photographs of me in a cowboy hard hat that I have been trying to uh, keep under wraps for a really long time. So let's hope those never, never come up. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm going to have to go look for those now. I, I actually had not remembered that, um, but I, I knew it had been some time, nine years ago. That's crazy uh, that you've been in that business for so long. And <laughs> folks, I really got to give a shout out for Carla in her, in her field for the animal control officers. Um, she has taken the role of president for the Kansas Animal Control Association for several years. Um, Carla, how long have you been with CACA? 
Oh man, I, almost the same amount of time. I think I started on the board in 2011. So it's been almost eight years on the CACA board and I've been the president for, I believe, uh, four years now. And that, you know, that kind of rolls into where one of my passions is and it's just for training for animal control officers. And that's through, through my job and through the things that I, I have done, I got involved with our county animal response team and realized the role that animal control officers should play in disaster response. We are the first line, we're the boots on the ground, we're the people who are going to be called on first when a disaster strikes in their area. And I felt like there was a gap there where animal control officers were not filling that role and not you know, getting that training that they need. And through the county response team, I got more involved. And um, in 2014 is when I really started training with ASAR. Um, I got my uh, swift water, my ropes classes, my large animal. And I believe, you know, I just got hooked. I loved it. And I felt like this is something that was really important to people in our field. And I believe it was about 2016 that I started um, the instructor side and and I've just been been doing that ever since and it's just a, a huge part of my life now. Yeah, we've been really lucky to see the animal control officer definitions and positions be redefined uh, here in July 2018 and they were added to the FEMA resource typing for animal emergency workers. And what that means is that now animal control officers, which are really truly the first response boots on the ground, uh, responders are able to be put into the emergency management assistance compact program, which is a resource sharing program between states. And so we, we see the focus now for animal control officers and, and the need to become trained in ASAR field skills to know not only how to work within the system, but what that means to their agency when they're gone and then really fill that role of being able to not only assist their communities, but assist outside communities with their professionalism. So we'll see uh, in, in 2020, as we start to talk about some of these programs, a real focus on the urban aspect for animal control officers and how that transitions into disaster response. So Eric, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself since I just uh, gave my whole life story. I started off as a poor homeless child in the middle of Kansas. Um, actually, you know, when I started, uh, I started in law enforcement. I went to college uh, again, not it was environmental studies, and I wanted to work on green spaces and merge wildlife spaces with the urban interface. And my two-year degree, my associates was in law enforcement. And when I got out of college, there were no designer jobs available. <laughs> so I became a police officer and I started here in the Kansas City area in law enforcement. And I, I worked several jobs as in different departments. And one of them was a police officer in one department and a community service officer, which was played a police role and an animal control officer role. And I stayed in that community service officer uh, position for about 13 years. So I got a great feel for both, you know, the people side and the animal side. And within that time, I found Code 3 Associates and Technical Animal Rescue. And the, the reason I started searching that out is we had an overturned tractor trailer uh, full of cattle 
on one of my watches and we had no resources to help us whatsoever mm. back then. And so I sought out code three. I sought out uh, Rebecca, Yemen, Rebecca and Tomas Jimenez uh, at the time and John and Deb Fox. Rebecca was out on the East coast and John and Deb were out on the West coast. And I went to both of them and said, would you share your basic curriculum with me so I can teach it in the Midwest? And they were kind enough to do that. And they worked with me on developing the technical large animal program here in the Midwest. And I was doing that on top of my human search and rescue doing code three and it all kind of coalesced one day and we started broadening our, our aspects. Once I started working for code three back in 2010, is I started to work with some of the national groups and federal partners at FEMA and USDA and, and our, our NARSC partners. And NARSC, you're going to get into acronym land, <laughs> folks. So hang on for the ride. NARSC is the National Animal Rescue and Sheltering Coalition. It was started after Hurricane Katrina. And you'll have NARSC partners like American Humane, ASPCA, IFAW, Red Rover, um, AZA. And there's 14 of us there. And I got to have the opportunity to work on national projects, to set guidelines, to look at definitions, to update resources, and to help build resource typing, which included some of the training that we felt was applicable for, at that time, we, we denoted uh, ASAR teams, animal search and rescue teams, and it started to develop. And we finally got something worked out back in 2013, we refined it. It finally was published in 2018, but that whole time we were working on it back in, in 2012, 2013, we were also building not only the training guidelines, but I was building the platform. So when it came out, we had ASAR responders ready to go to be put into position to work within emergency management guidelines and be there to have a structured animal rescue response. So it really evolved. If you would have told me 20 years ago, Eric, you're going to be running a, an ASAR training team. Uh, you're going to be teaching internationally now. <laughs> and, you know, you're not going to be in law enforcement anymore. I just would have, you know, scratched my head and said, that's not going to be possible. So when people ask, how did I get to where I am? It was a really weird, twisted road, and I just happened to be at the right place at the right time for some rescues and be able to pass those lessons on. So, Eric, maybe we could talk a little bit about, you know, exactly what ASAR is and, and what we do. Yeah, so ASAR Training and Response is formerly the Emergency Equine Response Unit. EERU was actually born back in 2005, and that addressed the technical large animal piece. And then it expanded uh, in around 2000. 11 2013 and we started to get into supporting zoos and exotic facilities that had elderly collections where these animals may go down and just need help up they were perfectly fine and so we started to refine our techniques on how do we work this into really big animals over 3,000 pounds after we started working with our zoos we saw in 2014 NFPA National Fire Protection Association publish the technical animal rescue guidelines for fire departments. So now fire departments really engaged the heavy rescue piece with us with the zoos. And then of course, in July, 2018, FEMA published the ASAR uh, responder and the ASAR rescue team resource typing that really defined 
what skills an ACI responder needs and what does that team, how does it fit into an emergency response program? All of this continued building of recognition for what ACR teams are and what they should be and what training they need always came back to us as we need to keep building ahead of the curve, which meant we had to evolve EERU. So in 2019, we actually decided to create the ACR training and response platform. And that's where we are today. So the ASR training response platform brings on additional instructors and specialists to that, that we have already vetted and said, this is a great program. ASR teams need to know this. It coincides with the FEMO resource typing and the training guidelines already. And you can come to this platform and start to engage the different branches in different skill sets that we offer. So we went from in 2005, we taught two classes. Well, no, we taught three classes. We taught the basic low angle rescue, then we taught a sling rescue class, and we taught an ice class. And we had three instructors. And now we have over 28 classes. We have over six branches of expertise in play and we've got 14 instructors. So we've seen a huge amount of growth in the last 15 years. Who are these classes mostly for, Eric? Maybe you could explain, you know, where, what our, you know, focused group and who we're trying to reach the most. Absolutely. Just because we say ASAR training response, it doesn't mean it's limited to ASAR teams. We open this up to anybody that wants to actually explore credentialing, being a credentialed responder, learning how to work within emergency management programs and how working within those emergency support functions will translate in their own community. And that includes at a local level, whether you're an animal control officer, whether you're a civilian animal welfare worker that wants to be more engaged and start a technical rescue team in that area or be part of a technical rescue team, or whether you are a high-end FEMA specialist task force member that needs their animal rescue skills uh, certificate to go on to be part of a type one team, our education and our training applies to everybody. Now, you may not be the, the person that wants to go be the monkey on the end of the string all the time and go jump into hazardous floodwaters or class three water or go hang off a building, but there's still a role for you there. You can still be part of the administration, the logistics. You can be a, a rope and rigging person. You can still have those large animal rescue skills and be that resource in your area because you have the knowledge and you've seen it done and you know the right way it should be done. And so you can be that guiding force, even if you're not out there in the mud and in the blood. So Carla, when we, when we look at some of these courses and, and we talk about, large animal rescue and we talk about some of the zoo things and we talk about swift water you've really started to engage your skills and you're taking over the the laro course can you kind of talk about you're redeveloping that and restructuring that what's the laro course going to look like so the laro class is um, a large animal rescue operations uh, it's primarily you know, going to stay the same where our focus is on, you know, large animal issues that people are seeing, you know, extrications, lifts, you know, what to do when you have a, a down horse. We're going to update the PowerPoint. We're going to, you know, have some new videos in there, maybe some new techniques. Uh, we are, I'm really excited about um, all the classes that we have on 
the calendar this year for the Lero class. I believe it's a really important class for our first responders, uh, specifically animal control officers and fire departments. So many times we get calls from people and, you know, they have a horse um, down or in the ice or in the mud and they have no idea what to do and no idea, you know, how to get them out or even where their resources are. So, you know, the goal of this class is to reach as many people that we can who are going to be faced with these situations and give them the tools that they need to um, help those animals. And that large animal rescue operations class, the Laro class, is probably the number one class that is still requested from our team. And Carla's going to take that over for 2020 along with Brett Huff, and we'll talk a little bit about Brett. I'll see we still be making some of those classes, but we are diversifying so much of the 14 instructors, four or five of us are going in a different direction every week. So it's impossible for us to make every class uh, every time. Along with Carla taking over that part of the ASAR field skills, um, we're gonna see uh, an expansion on the field skills and we're taking it internationally for 2020. And we'll have on Morgan Rivera uh, has come onto the team and she will be working with exotic facilities abroad along with uh, some of the ASAR field skills programs and taking them into countries where they have community animals such as community elephants and talking to them about not only what they can do with uh, low angle rescue techniques, but we're actually gonna have a sponsored equipment cache that we can leave with the regional veterinarians in those countries. So those communities, even after we're gone, will have a brand new rescue option to, to work with their animals if ever needed. And then of course, we've got additional branches coming that we're really excited about. Uh, Brett Huff is gonna be joining us. Uh, Brett has Huff technical training and Brett is a hazmat, has whopper expert and is bringing, he actually for Huff technical training, teaches industry and commercial side hazmat. So he's entrenched in OSHA and NFPA regulations and does things the right way at a very high end pace. And we're bringing a lot of his classes, everything from a four hour awareness class all the way up to uh, big 40 hour has whopper classes and fully functional exercises. When we're, we're gonna be in full class B suits trying to figure out the best way to decon animals. Uh, so we're excited to see uh, our cooperation with Brett and Huff Technical Training as that branch starts to develop. And I'm really excited to see the expansion with the Animal Fire Rescue Branch. We're bringing in Ken Gilden from the San Diego, California area. And Ken runs his Animal Fire Rescue business there in California and is a certified firefighter and has been teaching animal rescue classes there in the San Diego area uh, for several years. And he's really done a great job to adapt the human wilderness fire aspect to the animal rescue teams to show what really is appropriate for our teams to work in and how best to do that. So stay tuned as we start to look at some of those fire classes that are so desperately needed. And then we're bringing in Jen Davis um, from Code Venom Trauma Solutions. Jen is retired military for the first time. She's actually back at it again. Uh, but she's bringing, not only is Jen bringing first aid and trauma at a management level for us, she also has experience with venomous animals 
And I'll tell you, Carla, when it comes to venomous animals, I'm going to stand behind Jen and cower <laughs> like a little two-year-old because I would rather go deal with the scary elephant than the big nasty viper that can spit things in my face. Yes, we stay away from the danger noodles. <laughs> danger noodles, absolutely. So Jen will be bringing uh, not only field triage trauma uh, but she has a great program for compassion fatigue and ptsd and it is military based but that's really where we really saw the first development for dealing with ptsd so uh, we're adapting those to our acr responders and field responders because there are a lot of stories out there and, and even in in animal control work on a daily basis, you have to hear from people all over the country with their stories, don't you, Carla? Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and it's it's really good time right now. Um, people are really realizing the impact of these emotional um, events that happen and how they affect our psyche. And, you know, we gone are the days when you're, you know, basically told to suck it up and deal. Um, now we know that there are, are methods and there's ways to cope with, with situations that are, uh, bothering us and causing emotional distress. So I'm really glad that we're going to have that um, ability to, to give that to our responders and, and our students. Yeah, and we'll be coupling up a, a lot of these branches together in different trainings to give you the opportunity that you may be able to come to a training over several days and get a little bit of wild and fire, get a little PTSD. Well, you always get PTSD if you're hanging out with me, <laughs> but you're how to deal with PTSD if you're hanging out with Jen. Um, and then we're going to have a specialist team through the EAST program, the Exotic Animal Strike Team program. This program has been in development with the ZAP Fusion Center uh, over the last 18 months. And Carla, you're involved with it on the domestic side. On the U.S. side, uh, Carla works as our zoo liaison. Uh, if I'm not available and then Morgan's handling the international piece, you'll be able to see us in 2020 at several of the AZA conferences as we start to roll this East program out. And a big kudos to North Carolina Zoo. They are the first zoo to actually have part of their zoo staff become the exotic animal strike team field responders. I think they're going to actually have six by the time we're done with training with them. That's so great. when we go out on disasters now, if there is an exotic animal issue or assessments need to be done, or there's an exotic facility that's impacted, we have an East team specialist embedded with us that can go out and handle that. And we don't have to, we all have always gotten by but we need to have people in there that really know what's going on and be able to pull those resources together in the field and manage that. So I'm excited to see that. Absolutely. And then Carla, you know, I'm such a social media hound. I know so much about social media. <laughs> Do you want to talk a little bit about you and Carrie and the expansion you've done, including the podcast? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, we're going to have just a social media kind of explosion. Um, if anyone has been following our Instagram page, you know, there's been um, some activity on there. Um, we're kind of slowly getting getting pictures out, um, highlighting our classes and our responders. We are starting up a YouTube channel where there's going to be videos, how-to videos, uh, real briefly, you know, for simple things like, you know, animal harnessing, you know, some simple things that you can maybe learn. We'll put some of our basic knots on there. We're going to have videos uh, about, you know, dry suits and 
you know, taking care of them, how to put them on and off, um, highlighting some of the equipment that we feel is a good quality, something you can invest in. Um, podcast, you know, we're just going to keep up. Uh, you're going to hear about our classes. You're going to hear stories about things we've done. You're going to, you know, really get in depth on some of the, the issues that um, we're facing. And then uh, the Facebook page is, is always active as well. So there's going to be, you know, lots of ways to stay involved and know what ASAR training and response is doing. Yeah. And Carrie Downs has taken over our video production uh, piece where we actually have uh, wireless mics where we'll be mic'd up in the field and we'll be bringing to you ASAR stories from the field. So when we're in deployment, you can hear everything that's going on and be part of that rescue because uh, that's going to be pretty raw footage. We're not going to do much editing on that. Even if we have challenges, we want you to be able to experience those challenges with us and walk through the process of how we mitigate that in the field and uh, we'll be shooting a lot of a lot of video trying to get that cut down our instagram is hashtag asr training you can find us on facebook at asr training and response our twitter is at asr training i believe mm-hmm. uh, and we'll continue to work with some of our national partners uh, to get out some of our, our more about our programs and our training on that youtube channel And finally, one of the new programs coming up that we're really starting to explore is an ASAR teen camp where we're going to combine forces with existing programs like Scouts and 4-H and FFA and some of these other community programs where we can work with kids 15 and up on not only life skills, but start to introduce them to what it's like to be an ASAR responder and start to get them into some of their credentialed uh, training and really make it fun for them because we really need to start working on the next generation. Thank you, everybody, for uh, listening to our podcast today. Make sure you subscribe so that you can know when all the new ones are coming out. Uh, Like we said, check us out on our Facebook, Instagram, and our social media page. If you have any questions or comments or if there is something you would like us to talk about, you know, feel free to leave comments. And thank you for listening. Thank you.